we're grateful to have Aaron Rich. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to have him as my brother, friend, and um, he is one of those young men who just kind of kind of comes along once in your life. You think, you know, he's uh, he's younger than my kids, and uh, what happened? You know, what what happened to this young man? He is amazing. Um, and when I think of Aaron in his walk, I can't help but think uh, of one of, of my other favorite one of my other favorite verses, and that's Matthew six thirty three. I need some counsel, Erlene, on my, uh, but seek, and if you look at the word seek, it means to aim at or strive after, first of all his kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness, it's his way of doing and being right. Then all these things taking place will be given to you. And I am grateful for Aaron because he is a seeker. Uh, he never stops questioning things. I'll get an email and he say, you know, excuse my off-the-wall question here, but, and it's one of those penetrating questions that I think only the Word has an answer, because I, I, you know, I can't imagine trying to pursue the answer to that without the Word as being the template. So we're grateful for Aaron to be here today. I know, I know God has spoken to his heart, and uh, just ask him to come on up and share uh, for about two hours. I'm going to struggle to get 20 minutes. We'll see what I can do. But um, So, hold on. I scrunched this up in my pocket. Give me one moment. That's better. All right. So, uh, now my pages are out of sync. Who did that on me? Erlene? Um, so I found out on Yom Teruah that I was going to be speaking today. Um, you know, we initially asked David to do it, and um, he obviously said, uh, I'm not so sure, let me pray on that. And then when Stu asked him again, he said, it's not my time. Um, so on Yom Teruah, Stu says, all right, we need somebody to talk. Um, we have somebody for next week, but we don't have somebody for, for today. At the time... Russ and Stu just kind of said, all right, Aaron, you're up. Um, I had the inclination at the time to say, no, let's, let's let Kent do it again. <laughs> but after just a very brief discussion, I opted to say, all right, I'll, I'll pray on it, and I'm sure Hashem will give me something. At the time, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to share with you. There was nothing that I felt was on my heart to really open up about. And it wasn't until 10 days later, on Yom Kippur, where I really began saying, all right, I think I have it. And as I told Russ when we were at Patricia's house for the breakfast, I'd only been thinking about it for about 15 hours before the breakfast. My constant prayer since then is that... Uh, you guys will be receptive to what I have to say today because it will push you outside of your comfort zone. Um, I am outside of my comfort zone every time I'm up here, but uh, today I'm going to try and shove you outside of your comfort zone. Um, are you willing to heed that challenge? 
It's a big challenge and I suspect that uh, each of you, or at least most of you, will initially scoff and say, yeah, that's not me. That's not something I'm capable of. Before I go further, let me tell you that the moment you think that, that's the adversary that is telling you this. Each of you are capable of what I'm going to ask you to do. If you pray on it and you truly seek the Father's face when you're done here today, I suspect that you will find that you're not only enamored by this idea, but you're fi you'll find that you're willing and that you'll, you're fully capable. So are you willing to heed that challenge? And can I ask real fast before I jump further into this, how many of you have gone through rehab in the, uh, after an injury or a surgery, you have to go through that. And most of you have, that have not raised your hand have probably sat across the table from somebody else when they describe what that experience is like. Keep that in mind. So back in June, I was at work having a conversation with the gentleman that comes on a monthly basis to clean the windows. This man is a Jehovah's Witness, and it is the easiest thing in the world to, to just kind of goad him into a biblical conversation. For 10 years, month after month, this guy comes in, and we just have a fun conversation. Seriously, some of the best conversations of my work life have been for the 20 minutes he's cleaning our windows. Back in June, I made a reference to some scripture that I had, had thought of during our conversation, and he says, where's that at? And I said, yeah, I'm not really sure. The topic, the topic of conversation is not important. What is important are the words that I distinctly remember myself saying to him. I said, it's not my gift to memorize Scripture. And I just watched a number of you fidget. This is going to be fun. It's fun to see how God's hand works in hindsight. And Kent, it was a blessing for when you said that hindsight is really us looking forward because we can see where we've been. Thank you. I'm pretty sure it was the same week that we came to congregation and it was Shavuot and we listened to David recite Ruth. You said it earlier, but I, I don't like the word, but that's a big coincidence. And I think I ended up saying to Erlene, I want to do that. Now, there's a problem with that. I want to do that, but there's a problem. I'm not gifted in memorizing scripture. I have a terrible memory. Ask Erlene. I have a dozen alarms on my phone that keep me on track during the workday. When we go on vacation and they start going off, it is like nails on a chalkboard to my wife. There was a week that I made it to Wednesday when we came back from vacation, and I'm sitting there saying, 
why is my week so off? Why am I forgetting everything? I didn't realize my wife turned my alarms off without me realizing it. <laughs> my memory is terrible. And David made me so jealous. He made me burn with jealousy. And within days of Shavuot, I said, all right, I'm going to give this a try. I jumped in, but it was within, with very high expectations that it was going to end in failure. I figured I would fall on my face in private, get my pride hurt a little bit, and move on with life. But uh, I think it was, I don't know, 10 days later, I came to David and I started just chatting with him more, reporting on my progress. Just telling him where I'm at, how much I'm absorbing. And during second conversation, maybe, he said something that was just profound to me. And I think if I look back, that profound statement is why I am sitting here sharing this today. And pardon me if I'm quoting poorly, but he said that he's convinced that there is a part of our minds that is the shape of God's word. Essentially what he's saying is there is nothing else that can fit in that space in your head except God's word. If that's true, which I'm increasingly inclined to think it is, for too many of us, myself included, that space has been left vacant and unattended to. For me, personally, up until 21 weeks ago, the lights were off and seriously, there was nothing there. I don't even think I had a memory verse. So there, I had this idea about this talk. And I wanted to know, is it on God's heart too? So I kind of started digging around in scripture. And I'm pretty sure it is. It is near and dear to all of our hearts and we say it every week. Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. These words which I am commanding you today are to be on your heart. Sit and think on that word heart for a minute. You know, I'm pretty sure God's not talking about that piece of flesh pushing oxygenated blood through your veins. He's, he's asking you to commit his scriptures to memory. I've missed that. We say it every week. We turn east and we say those words. And I've missed it. Let me share a few more. Psalm 119, 16. I will delight in your decrees. I will never forget your word. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly. He's talking about his word living in you. Psalm 49, 40, verse 9. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. 
Yes, your Torah is within my being. I can go on, but suffice it to say that I think that there's reason to believe that Hashem has indeed set apart a piece of your mind that is specifically set apart for his word. In a more recent conversation, the one at Patricia's, Russ termed it atrophy. That got my attention. What a great word, atrophy. It's so descriptive of what we've done to ourselves. I googled the definition for you. Gradually decline in effectiveness and vigor due to underuse or neglect. This piece of your mind, have you neglected it? I neglected it. I entirely forgot to use that part of my mind. It wasn't just underutilized, it was unutilized. The good news is that this is not permanent. It can be fixed. All you need to do is use it. And that ability to retain God's word will be strengthened. In the first several weeks after Shavuot, I was prone to headaches. I shed tears. I yelled at myself in my car when nobody was around to think I'm crazy. That was painful. Remember that question about rehab that I asked you? That excruciating pain that you go through? Just imagine what our sister Judith, who isn't here today, she told a story of when they forced her knee into the upright position after her knee replacement. God is wanting to pull you into a new place. Are you willing to step outside of that comfort zone? In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. That's a month's worth of work. I would not be able to stand here in front of you and say that without stumbling if it wasn't for a month's worth of work. I could say it after a week, but I stumbled. The fact that I just said it to you without stumbling at all, actually, I'm kind of excited for that. I lost my place. My apologies. Give me one moment. So God, Hashem, my rehab therapist, has been working to wake up this long-dormant part of my mind. And 21 weeks since Shavuot, I think we're at 21 weeks. My phone should be switching over. I have a little calendar on my phone that tells me how long this has been going. In the 21 weeks since then, I have forced myself to mentally lift heavier weights. As I am strengthening my mind, I am forcing myself to do a little more. 
At first, I struggled to do a single half verse. What I just shared with you was half a verse. It's not even the full thing. Now I can go some days where I've memorized four verses in a day. I still, even to this day, sense the adversary saying, this isn't your gift. I have memorized four small books of scripture, and I am well more than halfway through the first parsha of Leviticus. That's not to brag. That's for me to say, I have a terrible memory. What can you all, with your great memories, accomplish? Pastor Stu suggested a couple of times now that David or I do a class to help you figure out how to do this. The thing is, I don't know those answers. David does a verse a day when he's memorizing. I use an app on my phone to kind of help me keep track, but beyond that, I don't have a lot of insight. I wake up in the morning, take my shower, go down, and I work on a couple of verses that I want to memorize for the day. Once I drop or lean off, I say them out loud a few times as I'm going to work. And then if I get a walk during the day, I find a vacant sidewalk so I don't look like a madman while I'm talking to myself. And I say them some more. I say them a couple more times on my way home. And I say them before I go to bed. But as I was trying to piece this together to share with you what's on my heart, and I hope that it's on your heart, I couldn't help but laugh as I was trying to piece this together. It's like I'm too close to it. I don't see it. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. These words which I am commanding you today are to be upon your heart. Go ahead to the next one. You are to teach them diligently to your children. And here's where I laughed. And speak of them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Guys, this happened to me by accident. How did I land into that routine? We say it every week and I missed it. Perhaps I'm grasping at straws, but that's a pretty big coincidence. Worship team, come on up. I'm just about done. By following this regiment for the last 21 weeks, I've done four books. They're small, but they're four books. Never in my life did I think I'd have one. For the longest time, I believed that Hashem's promise to us to write his Torah on our hearts was something I just had to sit in my lazy boy and experience. For the last five years, I've believed that we would be streaming to Jerusalem 
and sitting at Yeshua's feet. And that's when that writing on our heart would happen. For about 20 weeks now. I'm beginning to wonder if our bridegroom is seeking a partner more than a leech. Not just a bride that sits and waits for the promise, but a bride that partakes even now of that promise. There's additional gifts that come with this if you choose to accept this challenge. It's like Hashem is rewarding you for your efforts and additional, with additional insight. As you commit things to memory, you're allowing your brain to chew on text for a tremendous amount of time. You start to correlate scriptures that you had no idea was there. There's been times where I am set a verse 20 times, and the 21st time I stop and say, that wasn't there a minute ago. I had a lot more to share on this, but I didn't want to belabor the point. I'm beginning to believe that it's not for us to sit in a chair and wait, but it's on the Father's heart for each of you to step outside of your comfort zone and memorize some scripture, not just a memory verse. Choose a chapter. I'm not necessarily saying go out and memorize the entire Bible. Man, if you do, hallelujah. What I am suggesting is that you choose your first foray into memorization. For me, it was Haggai, and I have no idea why. There's three books in the Bible that are only a chapter. Choose one. For others, I know that memorizing the entire Sermon on the Mount has been life-changing. Whatever Hashem is telling you to do, that's what you do. Pick your favorite book, perhaps. Patricia, I do think Hashem is telling you to memorize Song of Songs. CJ, you spoke your credit card number to me last week without even a hesitation. What if you put that memory into scripture. Russ, Siri, wherever you are, you have both expressed interest in this. What fruit can be come out of it if you do it together? <laughs> Your ability to memorize astonishes me. If you do an ounce of what I have done, you could memorize the Torah in a year. <laughs> Start small. It's not going to be fun for the first couple of weeks. Except it will be. That first time that you can say a verse without stumbling, it's exciting. Before I close, I experimented on you today. Did you realize it? Probably most of you just had a vague impression of annoyance. 
the wonderful gentleman in the booth skipped a couple of slides for me on purpose. And I sat back and I listened to you say those words. You think you can't memorize? Hashem has something for us. Imagine the day that every one of you has a piece of scripture and then as a group, we have all 66 books. I think it's possible. But are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and experience something incredible? Thank you. Lori. Two things. I just want to validate everything that Aaron has said, um, because it's no coincidence that this morning when I was in the shower, the Lord spoke to me directly about speaking about memorizing scripture. And I'm not going to go into all the details of that. It's irrelevant. But I want to confirm that you have spoken the words of the Lord. This is not from you. It, he has used you as a vessel to, to do that. And one more thing that I would like to do if you guys would all raise your hands towards Aaron. And I just say, over you, we're just cutting off that lie from the enemy that you cannot memorize. That is not true. And every time you hear that, you're going to rebuke that in the name of the Lord. And he is gifting you. He is gifting you to memorize. So we just declare that in the heavens that Aaron no longer has this problem. He no longer has this problem. His mind is and heart is fully restored in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, and he will no longer have to have that struggle in Jesus' name. Because the Lord had been dealing with me and for my whole life, because I know that I couldn't memorize and do things, but when I start younger showing to memorize things, I excelled, and I was the valedictorian of my class. I know what the word of God, and Yeshua, when he was being tempted to change the bread, the rock into bread by the devil, he was tempted. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, the spoken word that comes from God's word. And John 1, in his word in the beginning was his word, and the word was with God, and the word is God. The word, you can't separate those. That was in about the first three versions of this writing that I've written about 52 times. How many of you like a challenge? I, I do. And uh, I think we've been challenged. So if you want to follow up on the challenge, let's, let's follow through. Um, for high school graduation, I received... I, a lady in our congregation gave me a book, and it was Charles Sheldon's In His Steps. I don't know if any of you, it's written in 1896, so I, I, I look at this book and I'm thinking, what's that? Pretty, well, to some, yeah, my kids think, that's about it. The book was written in 1896, I graduated in 68, but my point, and I, I kind of was, thinking about this book as you were talking about that it's it's about a it's a fictitious congregation in a fictitious town that the pastor 
he's kind of in a lethargic situation. He finally says, you know what? I'm going to challenge this congregation and give them a challenge. And next time, next year, this time, I want to see where they are with it. And it changed their lives. It changed the congregation's direction. It, I hate to use the word upwardly mobile, but that's kind of what the congregation became. They started seeking his guidance because the whole theme of the book was, what would Yeshua do? What would Jesus do? What would Yeshua do about every single thing that they did in their work, in their play, in their school, in their music? Every single thing, they would ask themselves the personal question, what would Yeshua do? And thus, as my good friend Joyce says, how shall we live? How then shall we live? And so I'm, I'm excited. Um, a 70-year-old brain can, can take on this challenge. Uh, I submit to every one of us, um, pick out a scripture, pick out a chapter, a book, and let's, let's see where we are next time this year. I love this. So, brother, you want to close us out here? And Lynn, close us out. All right, if you all rise with us, we'll go ahead and close with a blessing. Number six, the ironic blessing. Yevrecha Adonai Vishmarecha Yaer Adonai Pana Elecha Vihunecha Yisa bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. In Yeshua's name, shalom. Amen. Yeah, we'll have an old bank downstairs. Please, uh, please come down and join us. Um, Shabbat Shalom.